welcome to another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the land where this conversation takes place, and I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Today I'm chatting to Christina Muliono at HER. Christina didn't always want to be a chef, but when she moved to Melbourne from Indonesia, studying was a way in. She already had a degree in English literature and a teaching career under her belt, so she thought, why not try something else, and embarked on a career as a pastry chef. From talking to Christina, I get the feeling that she would be incredible at anything she turned her hand to, but luckily for the Melbourne dining public, it's desserts and cakes, and we get to reap the delicious benefits. I loved meeting and talking to Christina. She's passionate yet calm and has some wonderful perspectives on life and hospitality. Hello, how are you? I'm good, you Joe? Yes, nice to meet you. Christina, nice to meet you. I've been listening to some of your podcasts. (laughs) Great, thank you. Yeah, I'm actually friends with Remya as well. So I reached out to her, Remya. Tell me what it's like. <laughs> I love that. And I, I like too what it's done. Often when I've spoken to people, like Remia yeah. likes all my photos now and, yeah, and, um, yeah, and we have yeah. little chats, which is really nice. It's, it's a chance to network. It's a so. small community. Well, not small, but it's a like-minded community we have. I'd like yeah. to think so. And I'd like, I'd like to think that hospitality is, you know, it, that's what it's about, about connectedness yeah. and, and all of those things. Yeah. But um, let's start with you. Yeah, so. <laughs> Um, so, so where are you from originally? I'm from Indonesia. Yeah. yeah. And did food play a big part in your in life when you were growing up in Indonesia? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think you know, like I grew up from a very humble beginning, uh, and it's uh, you know, my I'm Chinese Indonesian, so my parents pretty much cook you know Chinese food at home, but at the same time, you know that in Malaysia and Singapore, there's that culture of Peranakan cuisine. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's a sort of a mixture between the Chinese influence and the local Malay sort of cuisine that they um, they have traditionally there. So yeah, it, you know, it becomes like a national cuisine. So that's what I grew up eating. Yeah. My mum's cooking, really. Yes. Yeah. And did you? At what point did you think, oh, oh I'd like to be a chef? At no point during my childhood. <laughs> uh, so actually, my parents uh, placed a very strong emphasis on academic achievement. Uh, I was the first one in my family to actually go to university. You know, they never had the chance to go to university. They never had any tertiary education. So um, I studied English literature. Oh, did you? And wow. I became a. I was an English teacher for many years in my country before I decided to move here. Oh, amazing. So, um, yeah, it's uh, like if you asked 20-year-old Christina if, you know, do you want to be a chef? I would say probably not. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it's uh, food has definitely played a massive part in, the, in my growing up. Yeah. I think, you know, like, you know, you have your Asian mom. That's a language of love. That's, um, I remember Chinese New Year and she'd be boiling you know, like three kilos of five kilos, probably more likely of pineapple to turn into jam, and then we make oh, okay. kilos of kilos of pineapple tarts that we put in jars, and we just kind of give away to all our relatives. Yeah, and I have a big 
you know, like it's big family. Uh, my dad had six um, brothers, so wow, yeah, <laughs> I had okay. twenty cousins. I had yeah, so it it does it did play a, a big part. Yeah, right. And so then, so was it moving here that um, that things changed for you in terms of thinking of a different direction? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, moving to Melbourne was sort of. Um, uh, obviously, the way to come here was to become a student, uh, and I knew at that time I just wanted to live abroad, live overseas, and experience that. And I did a lot of interpreting with uh, language, um, or I mean, education institutes. Uh, so I kind of knew the system. I knew, you know, I've heard of uh, William Angus Institute. I've heard of uh, Box Hill Tape. I've heard of. Melbourne University and things like that. I, I worked with the education fair and I became interpreter. So it, it came down to two choices for me at that time. Either I wanted to take Master of Education and just be a teacher or a lecturer in university or patisserie. Um, <laughs> you can't have any more polar, polar no, no, right. opposite than that. Yeah. But um, I, I think uh, the thing is um, my mum made cakes and things like that growing up. So I grew up in the kitchen and at that point in my life I was like, alright, this is a very serious path, teaching and you know, things like that. And then the other one is a very fun, tactile, something really different, a whole new adventure. Which one do I choose? And um, understanding that um, it is a lot easier to get jobs in hospitality than it is for me to actually be able to find a teaching experience um, in Melbourne as a you know as an international student as a non-Australian or non-permanent resident yeah hospitality was probably more the more practical um, choice for me so that's what I chose it's sort of interesting isn't it because I um, I did a lot of study um, so I did a, a doctorate a PhD in, yeah. in medieval French literature which does not help the world at all and, um, and at the end of it I worked in restaurants for three years yeah. in front of house yeah. and I loved it so much because yeah. it was so different and I think it was like a different kind of um, immediate reaction from people who were, you know, I don't know, it just got very, yeah, um, a lot more hands-on and immediate than academia, but I'm, I'm a teacher now, yeah. a French teacher, and um, and I, I can see that, and you, what you're doing, some of the, I mean, the good cakes and desserts yeah. I've yeah. seen are so beautiful and creative. Oh, thank so I you. can see um, like the difference, and then that sort of instant, you must see people when they see those, their faces yeah. light yeah. up. And yeah. I think we kind of, that's where our, we get our energy from as well. That's yeah. where we get, you know, like the joy of working in hospitality. I think it's just, I'm just my mum's daughter. I, I like to feed people, yeah. <laughs> in a nutshell. Yeah. The pastry is quite different, isn't it? Because it's quite exact. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like it would be a bit more, yeah, you've got to be really careful with your ingredients yeah, to get yeah, what you need. it is. I think um, I often say that you, you sort of have to be slightly on the OCD side to be a good pastry chef. But I think there's something comforting about, you know, like life is not always uh, you know, straightforward. It's not always linear. There's a lot of things that is out of your control. And I find that uh, in pastry if you follow the recipes if you follow you know the procedure you'll end up getting you know like a similar things all the time yeah. not always yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah like it just it's another way of you know like feeling like you're in control sometimes almost yeah. 
right, okay. That's, that's interesting. I hadn't thought yeah. of that like that before. That's a good, that's a good point. So when you, so you, you chose pastry right yeah. from the start um, to study and do that. So how long did that take? That well, it's, a, it's, it's actually quite a long journey for me because um, I... Um, it was the visa requirement at that time because obviously you know like you come to a completely different country you have to navigate the immigration law at that time and it continually it, it changes every few years i think at that time they wouldn't grant me the visa if i didn't stay for a minimum of two and a half years so i just kind of yeah i'll just do two and a half years of study so i'll just do up to advanced diploma and then i'll just kind of decide what i want to do from there um, but I do know that I intend to stay in the country. So I actually booked a longer visa. I just said, I want to learn tertiary education as well. Um, and at that time, I booked a uh, hospitality uh, management with Victoria University, which I ended up changing to culinary management with William Angus. Um, yeah, so I ended up, I studied for five years, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, wow. Well. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, at the same time, while I was studying, I was out there in the industry. I was working. I got, like, a, a job at um, Julie William Angus Short Courses, where they do, like, the short courses. That's where you see the cakes, because I actually uh, used to teach with them. Yeah. I teach people how to make cakes and things like that. Okay. Um, and then, you know, I got a job in catering company. I met Nick, I, when I could work full-time, I ended up uh, working at his restaurant. So that was my first full-time job at restaurant gig was with Nick then. Oh, was it? Yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, since then, I've done a few other things. I have been a chocolatier with Coco uh, Black. Yeah, so I think I just, I just like to do different things. I like to learn other side of, uh, you know, pastry, not just restaurant, but... It's, it's just fun, there's a lot of different facets. I think it sort of seems um, as though, think about how I say this, but the best chefs are those that are, continue to be curious and, and find out more, and it sounds like you've been doing that, you know, having a go at some of those different aspects yeah. and finding out more, I think it's really interesting. I just read um, David Chang's memoir, Eat a Peach, about um, his restaurant journey yeah. of Mumfukun. Yeah. Um, he talks about how chefs should be like lobsters and shedding yeah. their skin and being vulnerable yeah. and then um, and then toughening up again and then you know there's yeah. another season where they shed their skin again and yeah. I think that's sort of about change and um, and putting yourself in that position of trying new yeah. things and yeah well it's amazing and so here what, what tell me about the desserts at, at her, at her. Um, we do a few different desserts here but um, we have a you know, obviously French inspired. So we've got the more traditional one like uh, Baba, but we put our twist with, uh, instead of using rum, we use Frangelico. So we've got Frangelico Baba, we've got like a beautiful white chocolate diplomat that comes in a glass with rhubarb because we like to keep everything kind of, you know, on the seasonal side. And um, at the moment, we also have a sourdough ice cream sandwich. That's one of the things that is uh, creative, I think. Uh, so we make our sourdough in house. Uh, I've seen Nick Bennett's feet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, so um, it's a learning curve for me uh, because we, we make a lot of things in house. Uh, yeah. Sourdough, the lavash for the cheese plate, the fruit bread for the cheese plate, um, the milk buns for the burgers, we do the milk bun in low form for the pizza la and things like that. 
that. But I guess it keeps things interesting. So on top of the dessert, we also like have to uh, look after all of those things. So you know, because we make our sourdough in house, there's a lot of love going in it. Yeah. So you obviously have wastage as well in the restaurant. So we kind of turn that wastage into a different product, which is uh, an ice cream. We infuse it into the milk and we turn it into ice cream, and I think, why not? It's delicious. That's great. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. And so, who comes up? Are you coming up with the ideas for the desserts, or is it more of a team approach? Um, I, at the moment, I'm actually looking after not just her, so I'm actually looking after BKK as well, which yeah. is a Thai place, and I'm also still looking after Aubrey and Aubrey Float. Um, I would have to say, especially here in, in her, that it's a sort of a, a lot of a hands involved. Like I work with Josh as well, Josh Rudd, our head chef. We bounce off each other in terms of idea, in terms of what's uh, practical for them as well to serve, in terms of what's exciting, what's seasonal. Nick also has a bit of an input sometimes here and there. Yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, it's great collaboration with everyone. Yeah. Like in terms of BKK as well, the head chef at BKK, and we've got the sous chef Nada, who has a extensive uh, pastry experience as well when she was at Chikoni. So there's a lot of people to bounce off ideas from, which I find, yeah, it's great. You know, it just keeps you keeps things interesting, and you learn things from them, and you bounce off things. It's just, yeah, it's a, an interesting process. And do you also do you have cookbooks or do you look at other people's Instagram? Like, so it sounds yeah. like the team has lots yeah. of input, but um, yeah. and inspiration, but. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of my food heroes is probably Christina Tosi. It's funny you mentioned David Chang, but Christina Tosi is my absolute <laughs> hero because she, you know, like uh, what, how far she's she's come. And I've got all her cookbooks. I've got all her cake recipes. Are like beautiful. And you know, obviously Instagram now. I think everyone gets um, what do you call it? Um, influence from Instagram. Yeah. But there are a lot of great chefs out there. And I just discovered Claire Savitz, who is uh, an editor in, I think she's an editor in New York Times. I can't remember the exact publication, but she's just published this book that is wonderful. And she's got like a podcast and YouTube series as well. Okay. So there's a lot of, in, you know, like a lot of uh, inspiration that we can draw. You know, like in terms of cake, you mentioned cakes, Catherine Sabbath who was a teacher as well, uh, turned cake maker. She was probably the pioneer in terms of those cake with ridiculous, outrageous color and yeah, yeah, yeah. colorful drips. So yeah, I, I think that's, uh, you can find inspiration everywhere yeah. these days. And do you, do you cook at home or do you bake at home or is it just all here? <laughs> uh, well, um, actually when I have a few days off, I do like to bake at home. Uh, my partner do enjoy, he does enjoy uh, eating my baked goods and I think you know, like the last couple of years, the lockdown has been a bit of a blessing and a curse. Um, I just sort of uh, baked a lot more during lockdown and uh, do things that I would never imagine being able to have the time to do at home. Mm. Like, for example, I did, you know, I did a few batches of croissants and I actually did really, really? enjoy it because it's, yeah, it's a, yeah, never in my, <laughs> I would never imagine being able to do that at home, but actually it's, it's very achievable. Yeah, right. That's where I found uh, Claire Savitz because she's got like a like a croissant tutorial video and that you know absolutely refresh what I learned from years and years ago when I was studying how to make it at William, uh, William Angles. But yeah, um, I do still bake at home. It's uh, 
bit unthinkable if you think about, you know, you work here and you bake for eight hours and then you go home and you bake again. But yeah, I find, I like, you know, like I said, I like to feed people. So um, my partner's family are in Melbourne. So, uh, you know, his mom, his dad, his sister, everyone's birthday, they would get a cake for me. Yeah, amazing. No, not lucky ants, them. Lucky them. No ants, <laughs> ifs or buts. But yeah, like uh, I just, I'm, I'm happy to, to share what I'm able to do. And, you know, I just like... You know the look on their faces when they when they eat the cake when they cut it and they're like, oh, there's layers inside it, there's jam inside it. It's just some of those cakes I've seen they're so tall. It feels like <laughs> quite architectural, really, aren't they? Skyscrapers. That's a trend these days. Narrow but tall. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Um, and so, with all that in mind, what would your advice be to young people who are wanting to get, who are thinking of getting into? hospitality and becoming a chef? I think, um, you know, like a lot of people would say getting into an apprenticeship, which I think, you know, that's uh, the most sensible thing you can do, you know, like if you can get an apprenticeship uh, apprenticeship somewhere, good where you can learn, where you can um, get a mentor per se. But at the same time, uh, I came here as an international student. I didn't really have that luxury of you know, like just becoming an apprentice, I had to actually study and then found my way in. I say if you're passionate about it, uh, you would find a way to get into the industry. You know, like, uh, if you think about it, um, looking back now, I started in my late 20s. Uh, you know, like sometimes I think, what was I thinking? <laughs> but um, I got there in the end. I think, you know, if you're passionate about it, if you're, you know, uh, determined, there are always uh, ways and especially now you know like our hospitality industry is just screaming out for thank you so much for listening to this episode of conversation with a chef with christina muliono from her if you want to experience all the greatness for yourself which of course you do you can check out her which features some of christina's creations on instagram at her underscore melbourne as for me, I'm also on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef. And if you want to read the chat, you can head to www.conversationwithachef.com. I would really love it if you told a friend about my chats. And of course, you can follow me on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Once again, thanks for listening and have a great day.